Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And we thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us on this wonderful Monday. Hope it's going good for everybody. Probably not because it's Monday. Yeah, Monday sucks, but whatever. At least we get to grace your ear holes on a Monday. Um, Today we're diving into round three of Project Serpo and the Human Exchange Program. So if you haven't listened to part one and part two, go back to the previous episodes and do that. That way you're not lost and being like, what the hell is this dude even talking about? But before we get into that, we have to get through all of the housekeeping. So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord, anywhere people are social, we're there. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to feature... On a future show, Kyle's got some details that you'll be interested in. That you may be interested in. You can uh, use your smartphone app or the voice memo app on your smartphone, not your smartphone app, because that wouldn't make much sense. But you could use the voice memo app on your smartphones, record your story, shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can also write your story out, send it over there. You can call the holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837. All this is also in the show notes, the description of the show. So if you don't remember it, I say it too fast, whatever the case may be, go to the show notes and it's all written out there. We also have a P.O. box in there as well. Send us weird shit. We always forget to shout out, but yes, please send us weird shit. Send us a, one of them uh, Aztec death whistles. Or an elongated skull. Or an elongated skull, a UFO, whatever. <laughs> Fucking whole UFO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll, I don't know if it'll fit in my P.O. box. It will. We'll make it, they'll make it fit. True. True. Have, just make it fit. UPS guy knows where I live. Have exactly. Him, have him drop it off. Yeah. So any way that you can get us any type of information. <laughs> Went right for the good. Just yeah. send the UFO. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> Or or you want to send us shit, go for it. We're here for it. We're we're ready for way bigger things. So creepier things. Yeah, just let's, stranger things. Let's get will. it. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support the show, tons of way you can do it. We got a Patreon. Look us up over there. See if anything wets your whistle. We got all kinds of tiers. We release extra content. We got some goodies, stickers, all kinds of shit over there. Um, we got a Venmo. If you'd like to throw some extra pocket change for our monster fund, we appreciate all of you. Uh, best thing you can do is uh, word of mouth us. Word of mouth us. Uh, just kind of throw our name in the hat for anybody who listens to podcasts, likes weird shit, talks about creepy stuff, is a ghost hunter, is a cryptid hunter, is a astral projector, is a conspiracy whistleblower. Just be like, yo, have you heard these dudes? Funny story, a guy at work that I work with started getting a text from a random number, which was clearly a wrong number, and he's like, look at this, I finally got a text from somebody that doesn't know who I am, and he hands me his phone, and I put, listen to the Hollow Sky podcast, and sent it to the number. Hell yeah. Always repping my brand. Speaking of, I got a interestingly fun story as well. Let's go. Same vein. Um, fuck you, Taco Bell. How's that? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm going there. You know why? This pissed me the fuck off. Here we go. Somebody pissed me the fuck <laughs> off. So I, I've, I have, <laughs> and you, you can be witness. 
Remember how I used to talk up their breakfast burritos? I, I do remember that. Yeah. They had the best breakfast burritos. They were fucking huge. They were literally like the size of a monster can. They were like a buck fifty. They got rid of them. Don't have them no more. I go there today. I've been fasting hardcore and really fighting the urge to eat shit. And I'm like, fuck it. This in the morning, this morning, I am gonna go grab me just straight trash. A breakfast burrito. And they're like, oh, we don't have those anymore. And I'm like, why? Why? Everything that I love, everybody's like, let's get rid of it. It's going to piss Kyle off. Taco-flavored pizza rolls. Anybody remember those? Fantastic. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> My wife even emailed him about it. I remember that. Dr. Slice. Gone. Done. <laughs> why? Why get rid of wonders of the world? This is ridiculous. Come on, guys. <laughs> Somebody help Kyle out. Bring back good stuff. How did me texting a random number remind you of a burrito? Because <laughs> I'm still butthurt. It's it's over 12 hours later. Probably closer to 20 hours is, later, and I'm still pissed. This is real trauma you all I'm are pissed. witnessing right now. I'm pissed. I love... Love breakfast burritos, and they had the best, man. It was bacon, egg, cheese, hash brown. So good. This is legitimate psychological Properly trauma. portioned. All properly portioned. So if you could just email... Taco Bell. Taco let's, Bell. Let's start a revolution. That's, yeah. this, this is the hill I'm dying on, ladies and gentlemen. This is what he decided to go for today. <laughs> for the love of God, someone get this man a breakfast burrito. Love it. Okay, yeah, word of mouth. Share us to all your friends that like podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to said podcast. Please do that. Yes, it helps us out in ways. Lots. Today's comes to us from the Birdman24. Hey, Five Larry stars. Bird. Larry Bird. I like Lil, wow. Lil Wayne's dad, Birdman. Wow, Birdman. Okay, okay. Great podcast. Five stars. Awesome podcast, fellas. Keep rolling along. Been listening since the jump. I'm glad to have found you guys. Take it easy. You got OG, Shit. OG Birdman. Dang. Thanks for hanging, sticking around with us all these years. Yeah. That says a lot about. Fucking appreciate you. A lot about you. A lot about us. Yeah. It's a good time. So, yeah. Thanks, Birdman. We really do appreciate you hanging out with us all Absolutely. It's cool to see people from the from The, the get-go, get go, man. Still still trucking along with us idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on to our listener experience of the day. This comes to us from our friend Janet. It is titled Dreams. Janet says, Hey, Stephen and Kyle. Thanks for sharing my sleep paralysis experience a couple weeks ago. I was so excited to hear my story on the show that I wanted to write in again. I've always had vivid dreams and can even remember some of my childhood, some from my childhood. The one when I was five years old about the tarantula crawling up my body and biting me on the face. <laughs> Fuck That's that. terrifying enough. That's what I'm saying. The one when I was 14 and a six-legged bull rode through my front yard under the sign of a full moon. One when I was 17, my then boyfriend died, and I went. When I went to his funeral, he was laid out on a marble slab, dressed all in white. And when I passed by, he turned his head and opened his eyes. God damn! Are you sure you're not <clears throat> dropping acid? Well, I mean, 
Because that last one sounds like a sacrifice. Maybe it was. Which is really disturbing. Maybe she astral projected onto a different timeline and saw her boyfriend being sacrificed. That's not good. <clears throat> That's not good at all. No. Anywho, in 2009 to 2010, my former husband and I were separated, and we shared custody of our two kids who were still living at home. During the weeks that they were with him, I had lots of time for meditation and, and introspection. It was a time of spiritual awakening for me, and I began to have revelations of knowledge, as well as vivid dreams. The knowledge would be delivered directly into my mind, and I had to keep a pen and paper with me at all times in order to write it down as it came. Otherwise, I would not remember it later. I have notebooks filled with the spiritual knowledge and information, and it's been life-changing. At the same time, I began having vivid dreams, often with explicit disturbing imagery. It was revealed to me that the disturbing imagery was necessary to get my intention. That the meaning of the dream, while relatable to the imagery, was not directly related to the imagery. For example, in many of the dreams, my spirit, spiritual growth, was represented by a baby. In one of my first dreams, I was carrying two babies to the car. One baby was mine, the other belonged to my friend Tracy. As I walked to the car, I began to lose my grip on both babies. And in order to save Tracy's baby, I had to drop my own. I can still hear the sound of the baby's head hitting the pavement. I instantly knew that my baby was dead. I woke from the dream shaking, crying, and terrified. The meaning of this dream was that while my old spirit had died, my friend Tracy was going to be my guide in becoming a new, stronger spiritual being. Another dream involved me looking in the mirror and seeing large, open sores on my face. As I looked in the mirror, I tried to examine the sores. Large chunks of skin and flesh began to peel off, and I was disfigured. The meaning of this dream was that I was being rebuilt, reborn, with new flesh and new spirit. A third dream involved my former husband. He was riding a motorcycle and had a crash. His cycle exploded and he was engulfed in flames, and no one could get to him to extinguish them. I woke from this dream crying with grief. The meaning of this dream was that some people, relationships, are damaged emotionally beyond repair and cannot be healed in such a way that the relationship can be salvaged. Over the years, the dreams have become fewer and farther between, but I still have them, and I always write them down as well as writing down the meanings and interpretations. Reoccurring Im imagery are the baby, almost always a baby boy, flowing water, rocky, craggy mountains, and steep, steep terrain leading up the mountains. I am no longer frightened by the dreams. I've come to value and treasure their wisdom and the lessons imparted by them. While I no longer ascribe to a specific religion or belief system, I know that the dreams and the meanings are a gift from a higher power, and I'm, I am always thankful for the experience. I know this is a long email, so if you don't read it on the show, I completely understand. I just wanted to share some of my dream experiences with the two of you. Feel free to shorten or edit it if you do want to read it on the podcast. I love listening to you all, and I'm working my way through all the back episodes. Keep up the great work and stay weird. Best, Janet. Jimma Jane on Discord, but I like to lurk there. Well, Janet, thank you so much for submitting some more dreams here. I, um... I don't dream a lot and I remember even less, but I've definitely had a dream similar to the one where your face was falling off. That sucks. Yeah. And it was in a very like turbulent time in my life. I'm pretty sure it was when I was going through my divorce and because I remember like <clears throat> I was at the time living in my grandparents basement because i remember like in the dream i also walked into their basement and bathroom and as i was looking at the mirror 
like I was started to just like pick and like pieces of my face were coming off. Isn't that like meth? Could be. (laughs) (laughs) But like it's it's interesting the take that you took on it about like rebuilding yourself and the time that I had the dream was when like my like essentially my whole life was like falling apart and I was kind of coming to terms with the fact that I had to start all over. Right. Rebuild myself. So it's cool to hear people have similar dreams and their takes on them. I don't I don't like the vision. The one that really fucked me up was the the baby one. Like I understand the the positivity that you drug out of that, but the visual side of that It'd be a horrible dream to is, have. Yes, that is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh another thing, a uh, huge question. Is there cuz I I have zero knowledge in this at all um how do you get the interpretations to those dreams is that something that that you kind of uh calculate yourself or is there is there knowledge on it was it was a part of like your download you got that time that you kind of briefly touched on there which reminds me a lot of uh like alien contactee stuff I know there like the, are the download. There's a lot of like books and stuff on dream interpretation. But oh, okay. That seems very specific. You know what I mean? Like what do you like? Like what? the baby thing. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I feel like that's a very specific dream for them to be like this means this. You know? Yeah. Like yeah, because I to be fair, like I I on my own I would never equate like the 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 answer she got, right? Like I would yeah. never be able to formulate that yeah. on my own because I would just look at it like, Oh no, I, I dropped my kid and it's dead and this is not good. Yeah. Like up. I would, especially if it was one of them ultra vivid ones where you wake up and you're almost convinced it's real for a minute. Like, yeah. Holy, I, Oh man, that would be terrible. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That terrible is an understatement. That'd be awful. Yeah. And like your past dreams were a tarantula bit you in the face and, I am, yeah, I am curious now to where if if you came up with these uh, interpretations, yeah, through your own experience, or if there was if there was like literature you're reading in on. Because I'm like you, like I don't dream very often, but it would be interesting if there is literature or if there is anything out there. I'm sure there is, but you know, like because when I do dream. It would be interesting to try to, okay, was there a deeper meaning in this dream or was it just this? Was it just what it is? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a topic I know nothing of. Me either. And one we don't touch on very much, really. Yeah, and it sounds like you have uh, a decent amount of knowledge. Yeah. I'd yeah. be interesting, interested to hear more from you. And actually, one more question real quick. Um, why do you think the dreams are coming to an end for you. Like you, you Ooh, said they're question. fewer and far between. I wonder if it, if it's like she is starting to reach the peak of her spiritual journey. Good question. I yeah. Know. I don't know. Just a couple things there. If you, if you wouldn't mind uh, responding, that'd be great. If not, we understand. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, we are out of our element there. So oh, the absolutely. More you can absolutely. Us, definitely the better. Yeah. But thank you for taking the time to write in. Um, good stuff, good stuff. So, 
Now we are traveling back to Serpo. Back to Serpo, light years away from Earth. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go second do that. Episode. If you haven't listened to the second episode, go do that. As a little recap, two UFOs crashed at Roswell. We contacted the senders of the UFO. We traded them 12 intergalactic astronauts for one of their aliens. And we are... Figured out there was cloning. Yeah. They're not as cool as we thought they were. No, 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 no. They like to clone other species. Combine them. They apparently are badasses because they just kill entire species. That's where it ended with. They just... yeah annihilating the galaxy's exterminators yeah it's weird yay so we're gonna go back in to where we left off where the Ebens eliminated all of their enemies in this great war so it's stated that the Ebens have been space travelers for the past 2000 years they first visited earth about 2000 years ago it is said that the Ebens have a population of only 650,000. They keep this number at 650,000 because it's a very stable, structured civilization. Each male has a mate. They are allowed to reproduce in a somewhat same sexual way that we do, but they're limited to only a very specific number of children. Our team never saw a family with more than two, two children, two child Ebens. The Eben civilization was so structured that they planned the birth of each and every child, spacing them apart to allow proper social grouping of the civilization. Eben children matured at a super rate compared to Earth children. Our team watched live births, attended to by an Eben doctor, and then watched the development of the child over a period of time, team members' time. They matured at an alarming rate. The Ebens had scientists, doctors, and technicians. There was one educational facility on the entire planet. If one was chosen, you attended the facility and learned the job that was best qualified for you and suited for you. Although it was extremely difficult to judge or measure, the team estimated an Eben's IQ to be somewhere around 165, which is high. Eben's had no singular ruler. There was a council of governors, which we called it, uh, which the team named, this group controlled every single action on the planet. The members of the council seemed to have been around for a long time. Since Ebens didn't age, or at least our team couldn't detect aging, it was difficult to, de- to judge the age of each member. There were about 100 different villages or living locations for the Ebens on the planet. The Ebens only used a small portion of their planet. They did mine minerals in remote areas of the planet and had a large industrial plant in the southern portion of the planet near a body of water. Our team determined that this plant had some sort of hydroelectrical operation. Ebens develop a different type of electrical and propulsion system. It is unknown to our team, and I don't think we ever really will understand it. They were able to tap into a vacuum and bring back an enormous amount of energy from said vacuum. Our team's living quarters, which consisted of several small buildings, contained er, contained electricity powered by a small box. The small box supplied all the power our team needed. Ironically, the electrical equipment our team brought on the trip worked using this power source only. Ebens did die. 
our team members saw the deaths, some from accidents, some from natural causes. The Evens buried the bodies of their dead, similar to how humans bury their bodies of their dead. Our team saw two air accidents involving the interplanetary flying vehicles. Sounds like the Evens aren't very good at flying. If they crashed at Roswell, right, right. and then they crash on Serpo. I feel like at this point, they're just like, Really dumb, smart people. Yeah, like better humans. Like on, like on on paper and stuff, they're they're pretty top notch. But then you get them out in the real world, and they're just not so good. Yeah, and if you don't like it, they'll just kill you. Right. Yeah, I mean, they obviously they they created a vacuum and pulled tons of energy out of it somehow. That's uh, that's. I need one of these pretty, boxes. Pretty legit. That, I need one of these boxes that power all of my energy. Oh, dude, that'd be great. Because my Amarin bill's been fucked up. Yeah, so send us one of those. Yeah, to the P.O. box. Yes. <laughs> anyway, the Ebens worshipped a supreme being. It appeared to be some sort of deity relating to the universe. They conducted daily services, normally at the end of their first work period. They had a building or a church that they entered to do this worshipping. Our team... Uh, the, our team left Earth in a large Eben spacecraft, flew to Serpo in approximately nine months by our team's measurement. Upon our team's return, they traveled in a newer Eben craft. The time estimated by our team for the return was only seven months. So in that amount of time that they were on the planet, they had upgraded their uh, technology so much that it shaved two months off of actual light travel. Damn. Uh, another thing, I wish I wish they would have elaborated more on their religion. It might go that would have been that would have been a little kind of fascinating because you could run parallels to possibly some of our religions. Yeah, it is it is weird that they like, also worship a solo supreme being. Yeah, there there are some commonalities there, you know, overall so far in the story where they. They they run in parallel with us slightly. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, we circle back around to why there were only six hundred fifty thousand Ebens in the civilization, even though the planet was big enough to house more. Team never really found an answer, except that they think that hundreds of thousands of Ebens died in the Great War. Oh, because I was, I was going to ask because they they said six hundred fifty, yeah. and it, and then it, you also went into how they have a a pretty structured uh, birthing process. And if they if they intentionally keep it at 650, that means they would have to also systematically either wait for Ebens to die or systematically kill yeah. as ones are born. Yeah. They said they lost a ton of them in this in this war when they just exterminated whoever tried to attack them. So that would make sense if they if they're not necessarily trying to hold that number. It's just kind of where they're at currently. It's where it just kind of falls into place. Right. Um, Earth-based social behavior specialists surmise that the Eben civilization was structured to accommodate their own needs. Our team did find limited supplies of commodities on their planet. Large buildings were used to harvest food products. The soil wasn't rich in a lot of minerals. Ebens used a form of organic agriculture to harvest food items. Maybe the Ebens were scared that if they overpopulated their planet, they couldn't provide for their citizens since their soil wasn't really that great. Also makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 
Ibn culture. They had a form of musical entertainment. The music sounded like tonal rhythms, kind of similar to the way that they spoke initially through a series of tones and all that dial-up weird shit. They also listened to a type of chanting. The Ebens were dancers. They celebrated certain work periods with a ritual dance. The Ebens would form a circle and dance around, listening to the chanting type of music. The music was played on bells and drums or something similar to them. There were no televisions, no radio stations, or anything like that. The Ebens played a game, something similar to soccer, but with a larger ball. The object was to kick a ball down a field into a goal. The game had very strange rules and was played for extremely long periods of time. So it was like a weird soccer game that went on for months. That sucks. They also had another game mostly played by the children that consisted of making formations with the group of Ebens. They seemed to really enjoy the game, but our team found little understanding in what they were doing. <laughs> Although the Ebens civilization had no televisions or radios, each Eben had a small device on, belted to their waist. This device gave orders to perform a particular task. News of pending events, etc. The device displayed a screen similar to a television screen, but in a 3D style format. So it's like a smartphone. Kind of, yep. Our team brought back one of these devices. I think today we would compare it to a Palm Pilot. There you go. Or a smartphone. There you go. The Ebens fought a battle with the enemy for a period of time. Our team members estimated that the war lasted about 100 years. But again, that's our time. The war was fought using particle beam weapons developed by both civilizations. The Ebens eventually were able to destroy the enemy planet, killing the entirety of the remaining enemy forces. So they, they're not afraid no. of RC4 because they've got planet killers. Yeah. And and they, they shoot laser guns. Like, yeah, we, we're not standing a chance. Particle beam weapons. What if they see the Large Hadron Collider and think that it's a particle weapon? I wouldn't doubt that. Maybe so it now is. They're about, now they're about to flex on us. What if it is? It's our it's our Death Star. What if it's the what ray if from... we created that from this information? <sighs> Gosh, we're gonna get fucked up. Yeah. So yeah, we just yeah we turned our planet into the Death Star. We're like, hey, Evans, look what we got. Yeah, we got a big one. Black hole creator. <laughs> Um, the Evens did warn us that several other alien races within our galaxy are hostile. The Evens, seven? Several. Oh, I thought you said seven. I'm like, damn, that sucks. The Evens stay away from those races. The debriefing document never stated the name of the enemy, probably because they no longer existed. Cool. So probably the Evens fucked them Destroyed them. They're like, yeah, we don't go over there because it's just a pile of corpses. Yeah. I, I do appreciate the fact that, like, even though there are hostile races, that the Evens are just like, yo, we're just going to kick it over here. Like, yeah. You know, don't mess with us. We won't mess with you. It is what it is. There were four photographs available, which were taken on Serpo. One of the photographs showed the entire team standing next to an Eben home with several Ebens standing in the background. Another photograph shows the team's new home in the north. A third photograph shows the Eben village of the north. And the fourth photograph shows a group of Ebens playing their soccer game. Language and communication was our biggest barrier, but sometimes you didn't need words to understand what was going on. For example, 
When our first team member died in an accident, it was hard to communicate with the Ebens. The member died instantly, therefore no medical care was provided. Our two doctors examined the member's body and determined the injuries were consistent with that of an accidental fall. Initially, the Ebens never intervened with our care or offered to provide any of their medical care. However, once the Ebens, a very benevolent and caring people from what we've seen, saw our members crying, the Ebens stepped in and offered to attempt some sort of medical care. Although our doctors felt the team member was medically dead, they allowed the Ebens to try their own medical care. Most of this was either through sign language or speaking to the travelers who could understand some of the English. The Ebens transported the team member's body to a remote area of the largest community. They took the body into a large building, apparently their hospital or medical center. They used large examination tables to view the, vo- the body. They ran a large blue-green light beam over the body. The Ebens watched a display that appeared on a large screen that looked like a television screen. The readouts were in Eben written language, thus our team could not understand them. However, there was a graphic display, similar to a heartbeat graph. There was a solid line, and it was not wavering. Our doctors understood that this uh, meant the same thing, or that meant the same thing that their equipment measured, that the heart was not beating. Ebens administered some strange liquid through a needle. This was done several times over. Eventually, the heart started beating again. So, they know enough about human biology that they took a dead heart and turned it into a living heart. Our doctors knew that the internal organs of the body were damaged, but couldn't fully explain that to the Ebens. The Ebens finally made a sign by placing both their hands to their chest and bowing their heads. Our team members knew that that meant the body was dead and that nothing could be done. They showed affection to our team. During the last work period, the Ebens had a ceremony for the dead team member, the same ceremonies that were used when an Eben died. Our team held their own service, attended by the Ebens. The Ebens were extremely curious about our religious service. One team member who was acting as a minister performed a death service. Our team was eternally grateful for the Eben's caring attitude for our dead friend. Selected team members carried small containers of liquid nitrogen. Ebens were vulnerable to extreme cold. In the case that Ebens turned hostile, these guys are still plotting. They're like, "Hey, we appreciate you being so nice, so caring. We're about to blash you in the face with liquid nitrogen." <laughs> right. It's crazy that like that was in the list of shit that they brought. And now it's coming full circle again. In the case the Ebens turned hostile, the liquid nitrogen could be used to neutralize Ebens during an escape attempt. The team members were instructed to spray the substance directly into the face of an Eben. EBE-1 was found to be vulnerable to this. So this was the one that was on planet Earth. Oh, shit. Okay, before we go there... So all all the team members were briefed on this prior to them going to Serpo. Yeah, that's see, but that that's also like a fucking red flag to me because how do the fuck? I mean, other than other than EB one like explaining like, hey, yeah, we uh we we prefer the heat, mine over the cold. Like, how do we know that this is gonna work against them? Unless they tested. Unless it they tested the- it. On EB1. Which is a possibility. Which, and then, I mean, they literally just said it was found to be vulnerable to this. Right. So I'm assuming they 
Right. <laughs> they pepper sprayed this dude with liquid nitrogen. And like, to be fair, other than once again, EBE saying, hey, you know, uh, we are not a fans of the cold. Who grabs liquid nitrogen and sprays it in somebody's face? Humans. Well, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's happened. People do that to people. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> it just sounds like a random thing to do. Like, I got an idea, guys. Let's spray them in the face with liquid nitrogen. It's maybe be cool. they maybe they know like the effect it has on our biology. Maybe they just assumed that it worked across the board. <laughs> Uh, I think you're stretching there because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. Yeah, because I, I'm like, but yeah, it still wouldn't. Uh, I'm trying, Kyle. There wouldn't be a suggestion. Like, if anything, I'd be like, make a flamethrower. <laughs> make a flame. Nobody likes fire. I mean, they liquid nitrogen T1000 and that's true. That's true. Terminator. Yeah. I mean, all right. Now I'm sold. I got it. Yeah, I'm sold now. As for the liquid nitrogen, it was placed in special containers, just like we do today. The debriefing document doesn't state these type of containers, just that each member had a small container. However, during the return debriefing, the team found the Ebens to be so docile, each team member quickly discarded these bottles of liquid nitrogen after they arrived on Serpo. The Ebens realized that the team had this substance, but never questioned the reasoning for it. As with the weapons, each team member had a handgun and a rifle, the Ebens realized that these were weapons, but again, never questioned why the teams were bringing them along. Each team member never carried weapons except during their exploration of Serpo, and then only certain members carried them. <clears throat> the, uh, carried them. Regarding the reason why some team members remained, so team members stayed on the planet after the rest of them returned. They said, F it, I'm not going home. Yeah. I ain't going back. Yeah. I like it here. I think I think if I remember right, two of them decided to stay. So was it love? Probably because they're like, this earth sucks. I mean I'm getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. So far it doesn't sound terrible on Serpo. No. Like and it, other than the fact that their food sucks. Would you rather be homies with the planet killers? That's true. Or true. enemies Valid with point. the planet killers. Valid point. And I mean, if they're always going to treat you humbly and with respect, like I, I can fuck with that. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Regarding the reason why team members remain, the debriefing reported that team members who remained did so voluntarily. They fell in love with the culture of the Ebens and the planet. They were not ordered to return. Communication with the remaining crew members on uh, Serpo lasted until about 1988. No other communication was received from those team members. The two who died on the planet Serpo were placed in coffins and buried. Their bodies were returned to Earth. That's weird. That is weird. That's weird. Each team member received a large dose of radiation during their stay on Serpo. Most of the team members died later of radiation-related illnesses. President Clinton wanted to continue the exchange program, but others in his administration thought it would be a mistake and overruled him. It was terminated in 1994. All surviving team members were carefully monitored and watched by a special branch of the DIA. Uh, this is the last surviving team member died in 2002 in the state of Florida. So, that's primarily the crux of the story, but I have a bunch of extra tidbits here talking about like the energy devices and all of this other shit that I'm going to go into. So, 
the Eben Energy device found at the crash site had the dimensions of 9 inches by 11 inches by 1.5 inches. It weighed 26.7 ounces. It is clear and made of something similar to hard plastic. On the bottom left, there is a small square metal plate, possibly a chip. It is one of the connector points. On the bottom right, there is another small square metal point, which is a second connector point. Viewed from an electron microscope, the uh, Eben Energy device contains a small circular contains small circular shaped bubbles. Within these bubbles are extremely minute small particles. When a demand for electric power is applied to the device, the particles always move in a clockwise motion at great speed, so great that it's not measurable. There's also some type of unidentified fluid located around the bubbles. When a demand is placed on the device, this fluid turns from a clear color to a hazy pink color. The fluid becomes warm between 102 and 115 degrees Fahrenheit. However, these little bubbles would not only heat up, would not heat up, only the fluid would. The bubbles maintained a constant temperature of 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, the boundary of the device contains small micron-sized wires. When a device is placed on the ED, the wires expand in size. This expanding process is dependent on the amount of demand placed on, placed on the device. We did extensive, exhaustive experimentation with the device. We could power anything from a half-watt bulb to an entire house. The device automatically detects the required demand and then outputs the exact amount of energy needed to uh, power the device. It worked on everything. It worked on everything electrical except equipment that contained a magnetic field. Somehow our magnetic field interferes with the output of the demand of the device. However, we have developed a shielding to protect and correct this process. Interestingly, when our recovery team first found the device, they thought it was a window because of the clear plastic-like qualities. EBE-1 had to show us how it worked. It still took us many years to fully understand the device's operational qualities. I'm sure we fully understand everything about it today, but that it wasn't written in the final SERPO report. So EBE-1 here is like, yo, let me show you how to use this unlimited energy device, and we sprayed him in the face with li liquid nitrogen. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, talking more about this energy device, they started to call it the crystal rectangle. Since 1956, many experiments were conducted using the crystal rectangle. Most of these experiments were conducted by Los Alamos, or a contractor of the Department of Energy. Remember, the CR was described as following. Uh, it just gives the dimensions. There is a possibility that two of these devices exist. There was a notation in a classified document that read particle vacuum enhanced energy device. This would indicate that, or energy device one, this would indicate that there is a device two. Scientists do not refer to the CR as CR, but as PVEED, or the magic cube. Remember the small bubble that moved around inside when an energy demand was placed on the magic cube? Our scientists have discovered that the substance, has discovered the substance contained in the dot. The dot was found to be a perfectly rounded particle of charged antimatter. Our scientists still don't understand how this piece of antimatter can remain stable until it is tasked with movement. They still don't understand once a demand is placed on the CR that the antimatter starts the movement and creates energy. Our scientists have found that the crystal rectangle is made of unknown material with several unknown elements which have been detected. 
One of the materials is similar to carbon, but not exactly like carbon as we know it. Another substance is similar to zinc, but not the same consistency. Um, again, it just goes into how when an energy demand is placed on it, it creates a signal which measures exactly how much energy is needed. Um, I can skip a lot of this. This just talks about where they were found at the crash sites. Um, so we're going to go into some other tidbits here. The NTS, which I'm trying to figure out what the NTS stands for here. National Telemarketing Service. Yes. Man, Nailed I, it. I had this written down, but... Can't find it. Anyway, the NTS was established in the early 1950s by the old Atomic Energy Commission uh, to conduct above-ground nuclear test. The test site consists of 1,426 square miles of test space and a total of 5,470 square miles of bombing and other testing ranges. The NTS is divided into 30 areas, which are then divided into units. Man, I know I wrote it down. What NTS? Nuclear testing site? Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. So I'm touching on this because they started developing technology at the NTS based on stuff that they recovered from the crash site. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. So here is some of the technologies being developed that were taken on after this. And what this would what year would this be in? Does it say? Uh post 1950s, early 1950s. Okay. I figured it was a long time ago. So first we have Project Delta, a highly classified project to develop methods to extract specific materials from alien spacecraft. This project is attempting to take materials from known alien artifacts and determine the exact makeup of these materials. Next, we have Project Atom, a project that uses radiation and nuclear energy against alien material to determine how the alien material can absorb or repel radiation. Project CRISPA, a highly classified project that has taken alien technology and developed civilian applications. Not much else is known or declassified about Project CRISPA. Project Orion. This is an alien propulsion system testing project. Project Blank. Not, not cool. blank, it's just unknown name. A highly classified project that involves medical experiments using alien technology. This is being conducted both at NTS, Armed Forces Institute of Technology, and the University of Miami Medical School. What are you willing to bet? It has to do with cloning. Because hmm. hmm. if there's going to be one thing they're going to be interested in, it is their cloning. Hell yeah. Another unknown project. A highly classified project that takes alien technology and applies it to space travel. Little else is known or declassified. Project Sigma. An ongoing project that involves the studying of alien spacecraft. This project moved from Groom Lake to NTS. Project Nomad, a highly classified project to study alien species. Not much, else is, not much else is known or declassified. Project Starlight, little is known but involves the study of, of space using alien technology. U.S. secret plans for space exploration. 
the NSA and NASA both teamed up to develop new technology to explore the universe. The NSA and NASA have deployed the following deep space probes. In 1965, the first deep space probe, codenamed Patty. 67, codenamed Sween. 1972, codenamed Dakota. 78, codename is unknown. 82, codename unknown. 83, two more probes, both unknown. 83, a third probe named Mo. In 85, space probe launched on the SS Mission 51J, codenamed Stingray. From 88 to 97, the 9th through the 13th were also released. Their nicknames Amber Light, Sandal Slipper, Cocker Peak, Twinkle Eyes, and Kite Tangle. These probes were used to establish communication links with these aliens. They formed as a type of repeater system for communications. Not much else is known. A new propulsion system is being developed at NTS. This system, although highly classified, involves the actual use of alien technology to be placed on U.S.-style aircraft. Here is a debriefing that was supposedly sent to Ronald Reagan. I thought you all would find interesting. It states, there are different races or species visiting Earth at the same time. There are at least five different alien species visiting Earth. We think one of these species is exceptionally hostile. There are many parameters that we follow to evaluate the threat. However, we have little intelligence on four of the five. We have plenty intel on the Ebens because they've given us everything we've asked for. They've also helped us to understand some of what we know about the other four species. We have, an in, we have intelligence that would indicate that one species of aliens have abducted people from Earth. They perform scientific and medical tests on humans. To the best of our knowledge, no humans have been killed. The intelligence is from witnesses, and we haven't thoroughly evaluated this intelligence yet. We have captured one of these hostile aliens. We have war plans on all potential threats to our country. We have absolutely no evidence that this particular alien race has any plans to attack the United States of America or planet Earth. There is no way we can, we can control visitors from outer space from traveling to Earth and visiting our planet. Some astronomers find it difficult to believe that these aliens can find Earth. We are on the outer reaches of our galaxy. Our sun is one of hundreds of thousands of such stars within our galactic neighborhood. But the Ebens found us. They found Earth. And we are not the only country on Earth that has been visited by the Ebens. Now, as for the other four species, we know that they have visited us in the past and will visit us again in the future. We are like a petri dish within the universe. We are a, divisive pl or a diverse planet. We must be very interesting to other extraterrestrials. I'm sure other intelligent life forms in the universe must have some sort of communications among sentient life forms. Many, or maybe they broadcast that Earth has intelligent life. Maybe that's why we are being visited. There are many sightings all over the world. We must understand that the visitors can roam our planet at will without us doing much about it. However, I personally believe that we must prepare for the eventual day when some hostile life form decides to take over our planet. We are being visited today, now, in this time period. We know the difference between even spacecraft and the hostile alien spacecraft. We call the hostile aliens simply that, HAV, meaning hostile alien visitors. Uh, MJ-12 placed the code on them back in the 50s. 
The HAVs have been visiting us and kidnapping our people since the 50s. We have some indication that they might have been doing so for some time, but we really have to consider all evidence listed in our reports and compare that to some of the open source information. There are always humans that will exaggerate and just tell lies compared to the real ones or the ones who are abducted and subjected to experiments. We have to sort through the differences and place some aside and look at real evidence for abductions. But we, but we can be sure that Ebens have never done this. They are extremely peaceful and would not harm a living soul, including animals. Which seems weird considering that they literally... Exterminated him. Have exterminated other aliens and have an entire medical testing lab full of other... I'm almost wondering if this was like put out before they got information back where they're like, man, these guys are not Possibly. chill. They're not chill. Um, They're extremely peaceful and would not harm a living soul, including animals. The five species are called Ebens, the Arculoids, Quadloids, Hepaloids, and Tarantuloids. Tarantuloids. sucky. Yeah, Tarantuloids. Um, Tarantula. <laughs> These names were given to the alien species by the intelligence community, specifically MJ5. I was thinking MJ12 is Majestic 12. That's exactly what I thought. MJ5, maybe. I don't, fuck, I don't know nothing. The Ebens are friendly. The Tarantuloids are the dangerous one. We have a Tarantuloid, but it's dead. We captured it in 1961 in Canada, and we held it in captivity until 1962, where it perished. The hostile alien species is is responsible for abducting humans. We can clearly prove that some 80 Americans were abducted from about 1955 until the present. The last one in July of last year, which says 1980, so that's when this came out, this Reagan debriefing. So from 1955 to 1980, it said we can prove that 80 Americans were abducted. That's what they can prove. Yeah. We have a special military intelligence unit keeping track of these abductions. We have FBI agents attached to assist us when needed. We have some NSA and in some instances CIA personnel helping. Unfortunately, we don't have the technology to know when these hostiles will abduct. We get information afterwards. We interview the victims and place them under hypnotic hypnotic trances. Some of the victims remember entire remember the entire event without hypnosis. While other need hypnosis to relate what happened. We haven't found one single death directly related to the hostile aliens. We have had deaths that were attributed to the abductions. Suicides. We've recorded five of them. But these are the abductions that we know about. We have no idea how many other abductions are occurring in this country or around the world. These hostile aliens are pretty sneaky. They seem to appear and disappear, which is beyond our our technical understanding. They also seem to float or defy gravity. We have actual photographs of them doing this. We have a classic abduction incident that was recorded by military intelligence personnel. It happened in 1979 near a military base in New Mexico. We know which planet the tarantaloids come from. The Ebens gave us that information. We know the star group. It is very close to our solar system. I mean in astronomical terms, maybe 20 light years away. They are actually closer to us than the Ebens are. The home world of the HAV, the tarantuloids, is the third planet out from the star Epsilon Iridani 
in the constellation Iridanus, ten and a half light years away. Although somewhat cooler and fainter than our sun, it is very similar. Uh, this specific star group is located in what's known as the Celestial River, where it flows out to um, southern Achenar. I don't know. This goes into a bunch of astrological stuff, and I don't know anything about it. The planet has been found orbiting a sun-like star only 10.5 light years away with a magnitude of 3.7. No direct picture of the planet has been taken. The planet was discovered by gravitational wobble it created on its parent star. The discovery marks the closest naked-eye sun-like star yet to have been found housing an extrasolar planet. Um... They can travel in the same fashion as the Ebens. However, according to the Ebens, the Tarantaloids use a different form of propulsion, something like matter versus antimatter. We know that when matter is placed next to antimatter, it's a great deal of energy release. If one could har- harness this into a propulsion system, that would be great, but we don't have the capability to do this. We have one of their ships that crashed. We do not have the ability to understand it. Their technology is probably a thousand years more advanced than ours most likely even more. They have different materials to work with. Some of their materials are not found on this planet. We found many metals and other things that are also not found on our planet. Maybe they have more than 104 elements, or maybe their elements are different than ours. That goes for each species, though. Although the Ebens do have similar elements to those found here, the Tarantaloids have strange materials, like nothing found on Earth. These aliens, and this is in capital letters, can imitate humans. They can look like blonde humans. However, they are not blonde. They are actually ugly-looking insects. So that's pretty fucking weird. That is weird. I wonder how they how they imitate humans. It says they are pretty nasty-looking in their actual form, but they have the ability to change their bodies. So okay. Like, like yeah, like a shapeshifter. Yeah. Uh, they are 1,000 years ahead of us in technology and probably every other science. They are just flesh and blood, like a human body. They can be killed. I was just getting ready to say, if it bleeds, we can kill <laughs> it. It is. But their spaceships have force fields around them, and they cannot be shot down. It takes some doing on our part. We have, we have to use some small-style nuclear missile to shoot them down, but we haven't actually done that yet. We have experimented in Nevada on the captured craft of theirs. We haven't used any nuclear missiles to shoot down any alien flying craft, but we could if we had to shoot one down. For instance, if a group of them attacked us, but that is not likely. We know that we can recognize their language, which is entirely different from the Ebens. They use very high brand radio systems, but they have different frequencies and it's difficult for the NSA to track. Our air defenses are as best prepared as we can be against any form of attack by this group. We have a system to cover any threat, and we do have war plans just for an event like this is po- if if an event like this is possible. So this goes on to talk about the various species, which I'd already t- uh, touched on. So there's this thing called the Red Book. The Red Book is an extremely thick, very detailed account summary written and compiled by the U.S. government on UFO investigations dating from 1947 to the present day, which I'm assuming is 1980. This orange-brown book is updated every five years and also contains some crossover information from the Yellow Book. The Yellow Book 
or the Bible is the aliens' history of our universe written by the aliens themselves, as well as their interactions and involvement with Earth's development and evolution. It was brought to Earth and presented to the U.S. government at the famous Holloman Air Force Base landing in April of 1964 by female EBE number two, which it was also translated by her. We did have visitors from nine other star systems. The greys, which some characterize as being like Ebens, but they are not. They come from a planet near Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri is a nearby multiple star system, and it talks about that. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, the Red Book lists nine different visitors, which what they call these nine uh, species of aliens that come to earth we determined recently that some of the visitors were the same type of race but but a mechanical life form they were hybrid beings that were created in a laboratory rather than by natural birth the creatures were more like robots although they were very intelligent and could make decisions they might be hostile visitors that some people have have reported we have not had any visitation since 1985 from the ebens so I'm wondering if all these visitors are even clones that kind of went sideways. Could be. Release 23. There are two common links between each alien group and the Ebens. The first link is that the Ebens discovered each group, civilized them, and then cloned their species with others. It is an extremely complicated subject and is something I don't care to go into at this time with you. While we don't know all the specifics, basically the Ebens use the DNA of each alien group to create other species of aliens. The second common link is the DNA. Each alien group has the same exact DNA. We don't know how that's possible. Um, level 2... I kind of just kind of cut and pasted some of this, so I'm kind of confused as where I'm going here. Uh, level 2 at the S2 facility is where J-Rod, J-R-O-D, and the other alien, the Arqualoid, lived. They have special containment facilities to house each alien. One thing that has never been disclosed is the name given to the second alien, the one-shot sh- one Aqualoid. The U.S. government named that alien CBE-1 or Clone Biological Entity-1. The word acroloid was, co- was coined by Area 51 scientists to classify each different alien race. We know of five, all given to us by the Ebens. We developed other names for each race, um, especially for the acroloid, who was the creature shot at the Gate 3 incident. I have the Gate 3 incident somewhere in here. We will get there shortly. Uh, the Ebens cloned other races of aliens. As one of my other colleagues recently wrote and told you, it's really an incredible complex story, but the Acroloid was a cloned biological entity created by the Ebens. It would take hundreds of hours and thousands of pages to write a clarification to explain it, neither of which I'm prepared to do. Quadroloids were also genetically created by the Ebens. The Quadloids uh, were cloned from two other species, So as you can see, it gets really very complicated, hence my reluctance to delve into it deeply. Cataloged alien species and their celestial origins. This just goes into the different different five species that were here on Earth and where they came from. 
Ebens were from Serpo and Zeta Reticuli. The Arqualoids from planet Pontel near Cygnus Arm. Quadloids, planet Otto and Zeta Reticuli, genetically engineered, praying mantis-like creatures and lizard-like creatures created by the Ebens. Hepaloids are from a planet named Damco near the Cygnus Arm. And the Trantaloids from planet Silas and Zeta Reticuli. Based on, this is updates on the visitor statuses. Based on Project Gleam, the U.S. can communicate with our visitors. The communication system is a complex, highly classified series of relay stations and satellites. The communication system is entitled Echelon. It is run by uh, the Defense Communication Agency and not by the National Security Agency. The visitors have come to this planet have provided direct communication links on the following dates. April 1964 in Saqqara, New Mexico. April 1969 in White Sands, New Mexico. April 1971 in White Sands, New Mexico. Uh, 1977, White Sands, New Mexico. November 1983 in an unknown location believed to be Kirtland Air Force Base. November 1990 in White Sands again. Uh, November 1997 at the Nevada test site. That's what NTS is, Nevada test site. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, November 1998, November 1999, and November 2001, all contact is made at Nevada test site. EBE-1 allegedly said that mankind has been genetically altered throughout time and that they established religions and Christ in particular on our planet. An idea that was popularized in a 1989 bestseller, Gods of Eden, by William Bramley. If one reads the Yellow Book, the true and correct history of mankind as relayed by the ET or the EBEs, it reads between the lines. One would come away with a thought and clear impression that the Ebens had something to do with Jesus Christ or possibly that Jesus was one of them. Also, if you look at some of the events that are shown in the Yellow Book, uh, you can connect some incidents such as Fatima, etc. with EBE landings. So those are both things that we've touched on before. Yeah, ironically enough, even before this story, like when we talked about Fatima, I made the suggestion that it was a mass, like a mass abduction. Yeah, that's why I cut and put that little uh, paragraph in there. I'm like, man, it just kind of, everything goes kind of full circle. Right, like, yeah. Can you imagine the clusterfuck religion would be if it came out that Jesus was an alien? I mean, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, it's not far-fetched for us. No, not at all. But, People's well, the whole foundation and building blocks oh, yeah. of people's belief system would just it'd be shattered. Yeah, shattered and unfortunate. I've got a little bit more to go, so I'm just gonna finish this off here. From there, uh, I've got this Gate Three incident. Uh, release twenty three. This is the true story of the Gate Three incident. The incident occurred in April of nineteen eighty three. Gate 3 was a designation for an entrance into the Groom Lake Complex. This gate connected Groom Lake Complex with Area 51. The gates surrounding Groom Lake Complex were the responsibility of a private security company, the Wackenhut Corporation. There was a mixture of private security and military security for this complex. The incident occurred when a visitor, an ETE or an extraterrestrial entity, being housed at Area 51 S2 facility, escaped. A massive search was started by military and private security forces. The visitor was on foot and left the underground S2 facility through an open vault door. 
Part of the search team was the director of security for the Groom Lake Complex and an agent from the Air Force Office of Special Investigation, who was also counterintelligence officer for the complex. Both were traveling in a jeep from the back gate of Groom Lake to the gate leading into Area 51 called Gate 3. As the jeep approached Gate 3, the OSI agent noticed that the guard was missing from the required location outside the gatehouse. As the jeep stopped, the OSI agent got out of the jeep to investigate. The agent walked up to the gate to check on the guard. The agent got closer to the front door of the gate and noticed that the interior of the gate was blood splattered. The agent noticed only small pieces of human body parts were left of a human being. The agent returned to the jeep and contacted the central security control, which was the main primary security office for the complex, reported the findings. The director of security contacted his office by way of radio, a radio phone mounted on the side of the jeep. The agent, armed with only an automatic pistol, walked around the area searching for the perpetrator. The agent located the visitor lying down near an underground water culvert. The agent challenged the visitor, ordering the visitor to give up. The visitor walked away, followed by the agent. At some point, the agent fired his weapon at the visitor as a warning. The visitor turned and pointed something at the OSI agent. The agent fired directly at the visitor, hitting it directly in the chest with two rounds from a 45 caliber pistol. The visitor fell to the ground. It took 18 minutes for additional security forces to arrive. The visitor was placed inside a containment chamber and transported back to the S2 facility. The visitor recovered from its wounds. The incident was investigated by the FBI and the Air Force Office of Special Investigation. The incident remains primarily classified. The name of the creature involved in the Great Three, Gate 3 incident was an arcoloid. It is being described as one of the, quote, big-nosed grays, end quote. It was five foot, six inches tall, gray or tan being with large black slanted eyes and a mushroom-shaped head with four long fingers. They have yellow eyes with vertical pupils, very large beak noses. They are genetically engineered by the Ebens, possibly cloned, and were given to the U.S. government for observation, examination, and study by the Ebens. The particular visitor lived in the bubble, officially known as the Clean Sphere, located in the levels 2 and 3 of the 8-level S2 facility at Area 51. If memory serves me correctly, there were 12 to 15 compartments in the Clean Sphere or bubble, which is located at the south end of the facility. Both uh, the Arcoloid and J-Rod lived in two of the 12-15 compartments. Uh, marked visitors. It is important to know that J-Rod and Acroloid creatures were not one and the same and that claims made by some that they were are just plain wrong. The Acroloid escaped. J-Rod did not. We speculate that this is because the Acroloid had to live in its primary existence in the clean sphere, could only spend minimal amounts of time in our atmosphere, that an overexposure of our atmosphere somehow affected its sanity and intellect. Furthermore, it caused the creature to become delusional, disoriented, and lose its mental faculties for the surrounding, for sound reasoning and analysis and judgment. Um, basically, it lost its mind or was un of unsound mind, which accounts for his escape the, of the high-security clean sphere and resulted in the homicide of the security guard. Uh, then it goes on to talk about detailed uh, information on the Great Th Gate 3 incident 
which led up to an unfortunate series of events in April of 1983. This is all explained in a 300-page report on the Gate 3 incident, which combines investigated efforts of the FBI and the FOSI. Eben showed us creatures they created. Yes, they can clone almost any living tissue into a creature via the method the via a method called rapid cycle cloning. J. Rod was a creature created by the Ebens. He was intelligent, contained a brilliant mind, and was able to adapt quickly to our environment. The second creature, the Arqualoid, was primitive. The second creature was a form of a slave. It can be controlled, given orders, and was safe, or at least we thought it was safe. The second creature was controlled by a brain chip that functionally con- was controlled by a little black box. They even provided this creature for us for medical experiments. J-Rod became frustrated with our efforts to control this creature. The acroloid creature was able to fully communicate telepathically with J-Rod. At some point, the creature expected, expressed its desire to be free, and J-Rod released the creature, and thus we had the Gate 3 incident. After the incident, J-Rod was placed in a secure confinement containment facility. The acroloid creature, which survived the shooting once medically healed, was placed inside a more secure facility and restrained uh, by a system provided us by the Ebens. The creature died about a year later from a mixture of the trauma associated with the shooting and its brain activity, which just essentially failed. After this incident, the J-Rod was never fully trusted again. He was under strict control at all times. His mannerisms changed. His mood changed because of the increased attention. J-Rod, although gentle, was upset over these new measures. As for the Gate 3 incident, everyone has their own opinions. With respect to the OSI agents directly involved with the shooting, I don't want to put anyone in a dangerous, sticky situation. Some of the information is still extremely classified. To this day, many involved in the shooting still have great differences of opinions as to what should have been done, especially with the containment team en route only minutes away. I don't want to be accused of being a Monday morning quarterback, but the agents on scene did what they thought was right, and while generally play, praised, offers or others differ on that point. No one has mentioned the poor guard. The examination of the scene revealed that the guard was potentially imploded. The Iraq, the Arqualoid, I'm probably saying that wrong a hundred times over, had a hidden weapon either in or on its body. The weapon, which was recovered and locked up, contained a form of energy, or contained the form of an energy direct beam. The beam struck the guard's body and employed, imploded it. The largest piece of a body part that was left was about the size of a quarter. One eyeball was found intact. The Arqualoid lived for about one year after it was shot, but it was in constant pain since our doctors couldn't adequately, adequately and effectively treat all of its problems. According to the information we developed from the Arqualoid which appears in the 300-page report, the guard threatened him, and he killed the guard in self-defense. The investigation never revealed the guard's handgun was, or the investigation revealed that the guard's handgun was never fired. The gun was not destroyed, which brings up another interesting point. If the guard was threatening the Arkeloid with a gun, why didn't the Arkeloid just destroy the weapon? As you can see, there are many unanswered questions. In closing, the OSI special agent fired six shots, striking the Arkeloid four times. The agent fired from a distance of 165 feet away, which is a really good shooting. Yeah, I would agree with that. That is where I ended this. So, uh, there's a lot of information to take in there at the end. Thanks for sticking with me. But it seems like 
all of this revolves around the Ebens. Like the Ebens yeah. are the perpetrators of almost everything in the, the galaxy. Yeah, all at least all the ones that we're in, in contact yeah. with. Yeah. And the fact that they all have the same DNA but are biologically different just again completely throws a wrench in everything we know about biological science. Right. And it's so weird because they portray the Ebens as like this peaceful, you know, kind of just doing their own thing civilization when they essentially gave this Arkeloid to the government, but they also equipped him with a weapon. Right. Right. That sounds... And they also gave him to the government to experiment on. Yeah. So there's definitely some nefarious nature there. And now you could argue that the Ebens are so intellectually smart and curious that they don't register good and bad like we do. that's true. Right? Because they would, like, in hindsight, like... They say, oh, well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't kill, they wouldn't kill an animal, yet they capture them to experiment on. That's true. But if you looked at it through that lens of like, quote unquote, science, they may not perceive it as like, we're not like murdering this thing. Like we're trying to learn. In the name of science. Yes. So it's. It's a it's a weird double standard there that they that might be a, a relative explanation to. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, uh, we haven't heard from them in how long, uh, as, as far as we know. Uh, one of their science experiments might have been extra smart and badass and decided to take out. it to them. I thought the same thing, or maybe maybe they stumbled upon somebody that was better than them, right? And just smoked them. We don't like what you're doing. This whole um, this whole story, for lack of a better term, caused a lot of uproar in the UFO community. There's people who are saying this is all just a elaborate hoax. Someone oh, wrote up are. and put out. But I'm like, man, this is it's a lot of information. A lot of information. This is just the stuff that I picked out from that website. And the website, I'll go back and reiterate that for everybody. So, this website, the uh, OOCities.org, uh, Maurice Osborne, Serpo, he just kind of took all the information he took from Project Serpo and kind of, like, streamlined it. So, this isn't even the, the totality of it all. This is just important things that he was touching on that I was pulling off of there to put this together. So for someone to just, essentially they would have to write this whole script and then start releasing it a little, little after little in UFO forums to see right. if it takes off. When hell, I mean, you could have probably sold this to a <laughs> movie studio and made fucking bank. Oh, yeah. And what's funny is, like, you read that Gate 3 incident and it plays out almost, obviously it's enhanced, but it's literally an X-Files episode. Oh, yeah. There's an episode where an entity gets out and is running through the woods. Agents go to chase it, and in, uh, it fucks a couple of them up. And they have to set up, like, lasers because this thing can cloak itself. But I, I clearly remember the episode. How weird would it be if 
they released that episode to just like prime people for like the same way they do with everything else. Yeah, I mean, but I I think the X-Files episode obviously came out after this experience. But nevertheless, like they're the like the way they do military shows, they will have uh CIA operators come in or military operators come in and help with the training, help because I've heard, I don't remember what show it was, but they've actually it might have been what was it called? The Americans? Where it was about the Soviets sleepers coming over. Like that a lot of that's based on real events, supposedly. They, they had CIA sit in on it and they would release subtle information with them to help them build the show. Yeah. So I mean, that's a poss- that's a possibility, or maybe the the creators of the X Files heard of the story and that's true, and too. was like, "Yo, let's make an episode of this. This that's is crazy." True, you know, we'll put our spin on it, but the groundwork's already here. Yeah, for sure. But I thought it was interesting. Once I started hearing about it, I dove into podcasts, and then I found these websites, and I was like, "Man, we're gonna dive into this." So it's a fucked up story. It, that is true. So essentially, there is an alien race out there that has created everything. Might be Jesus. And just fucks up a lot of shit. On one hand, it's good, and on the other hand, it's questionable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Project Serpo and the Human Exchange Program. If anybody else dives into this or has dove into this and has more information they'd like to shoot our way, please feel free to do so. But thanks for hanging in there with me on this uh, three-episode banger. And uh, well, that is a wrap. So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, and Discord. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay weird, and if you encounter the Virgin Mary at Fatima, it might just be an alien abduction.